Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. I'll tell you a quick story real quick. When we were singing the song, um, all the, the first one, I can't remember what it's, what it's called now, but talking about the name of Jesus. And I remember several stories my mother used to tell talking about the name and uh, there was one particular time she said this was years ago I don't even think I was born but uh, Jackie was in elementary school and there were bad storms coming you know Alabama we have tornadoes and bad storms were coming and of course when they they heard the sirens you know, these days, I mean, they do, they want to lock down the schools and keep all the kids inside, which that's the right thing to do, really. You should do that. <laughs> but uh, mother decides, no, I'm, I'm heading to the school to go get her. So she, she gets in her vehicle, and so she's going. And she's running to the school. And she says in the rearview mirror, she said, there's an 18-wheeler behind her. And then on the side, you know, where they're driving, evidently they're on the two lane. On the side, you know, there's another 18-wheeler back there. She can see them. And then there's one in front. And somebody slammed on the brakes in the front. And it was, you know, storming, raining, pouring. And so she had to slam on her brakes. And all she could see was those headlights from the Mack truck in her rearview mirror. And she knew, you can't stop a Mack truck you know and the thing that came out of her mouth as loud as she could holler she hollered the name Jesus and that uh, 18 wheeler of course he locked up the one on the side locked up and when everybody got stopped and then they had those everybody had you know back in the 70s they all had those CBs you know how they do they talk and I remember being a kid when I when I was born getting old enough they still had one and every once in a while you know you could talk to truckers on those CBs and the, the man behind he grabbed his CB and he said little lady he said my God I thought I killed you and the one beside said ma'am I knew you were dead and the man said ma'am there's no way I could stop that and when they got out they said you couldn't get a piece of tissue paper between the bumpers of the, the 18 wheel in her vehicle so you can't stop a Mack truck but Jesus can angels can the Bible says they excel in strength excel in strength and I was driving down the road and I was on um, coming over the Warrior River the little black Warrior River everybody around here knows because me and Red used to trespass on a man's property and fish all the time right there and coming over the old Buckshort Bridge they tore it down you know and they built a new new road right there coming over the old Buckshort Bridge and there was it was a hay truck you know with the big slats um, on his bed it, you know he had it got part, part of like a, an international uh large truck flatbed with the slats on it and he was piled with tires and I bet the tires I'm not exaggerating when they were piled up they were probably piled up probably six feet over the slats which is stupid to do 
and he came around the curve and when he did I could see his uh, the bed go like like that and here come the tires and there's nowhere to go there is no shoulder on this road and I and the tire it was coming just like it as as fast as it was off the truck there's nowhere for me to go and it was just bouncing bam bam down the road I have nowhere to go and that tire hit my mirror hit me and when it hit the only thing that I could say was Jesus and I was able to turn my head and it shattered the window all over me in the car there were I guess tens of thousands of bits of glass that hit me how it ended up inside my shoes all the glass I have no idea it ended up inside my clothes in my shoes no idea how it in, how glass got in there but I didn't have a nick on me that's impossible there's no way I could throw glass at you and you're going to get cut open and at that rate of speed they should have been digging glass out of me all night long in the hospital and stitching me up there's no way that can happen but it happened because there is a Jesus not being unkind but the atheist would say well it's just a coincidence I say no it's called angels they say we're foolish Jesus says they are if I'm foolish then I'm foolish enough to believe the Bible if I'm foolish then I'm crazy enough to believe that Jesus lives I may be crazy but I'm crazy enough to believe that he was born of a virgin and he walked 33 and a half years and they tortured him and crucified him and they put him on a cross and God himself took the curse from Adam until the next millennium of all the people that are going to be born. He took every sin, every curse, everything that belongs to it and put it on the very body of Jesus and he absorbed it. And he went in to the uh, innermost parts of the earth when he left his body. He preached and he told them, I'm he. He told the people in hell, I am he that you tried to stop, but you failed. And he told Abraham, I was the ram that met you on Mount Moriah. And he told them all, and he told David, I'm the rock that killed, that stunned Goliath. He told them that. And he took them, and the Bible says, raised him up from the dead. Raised him up. And he took his blood and he poured it before God himself on behalf of us. Well, and I'm also crazy enough to believe the Bible says that the day is coming that he is going to appear in the sky engulfed in fire and he's going to say come up hither and I'm crazy enough to believe that I am going to defy the law of gravity and we all are that's good to know it's good to know that there's a Jesus that loves you that there's hope I woke up in the middle of the night last night only thing I kept hearing over and over again, I dreamed it. I was dreaming and then I woke up in the middle of it. I was dreaming that I was, that I was standing up preaching about hope, hope, and hope. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I was saying, there's hope, there's hope, and there's hope in Jesus. 
Sometimes your hope, you know, gets faded away. And sometimes you're like, there's no hope. There is hope. It'll spring forth. It'll come up. There's hope. There's hope to start living again. There's hope to start believing again. There's hope to start praying again. There's hope in Him. Can you say amen? Amen. I know this is a little bit different. There may be a little different direction here. Huh? Um, well, y'all could be seated just a moment if you want to. No? I mean, if you want to preach. I mean, I don't want to. Sometimes, uh, which will, won't be too long. Y'all can just hang tight if you want to, or take a seat or something like that for just a minute. Uh, just play it by ear and see what happens. Well, thank God. You know, He is good to us, isn't He? He is good to us. Um, you know, I remember years ago, this is, um, like I said, we just go. We'll just trust God, see, you know, see what direction he wants to go, see how we see, how we see fit. But, uh, which I was born and raised in church, you know, and I'm glad for it. Thank God for it. And, um, I mean, all my life, you know, we, we come to church and, and, and we learned about the Lord, learned about the things of God and then so on and so forth. You get a little bit older and then, you know, you don't walk in the light of it like you should have or like you wished you did and then you get serious about the Lord and you start walking in the light of God's word and you can be born again and not walk in the light of it and you can pass on go to heaven there's millions of people right now living in heaven never walked in the light of God's word that's why his grace is so good to us of course when you get to heaven and you, you go through schools just like heaven just like you go right here of course it won't be boring it'll be very fun you know and they're always going to be learning but uh, I remember then getting over and when you start getting closer to the Lord and then you start seeking him and then you start feeling on the inside you know a lot of times we say it's a it's a voice it can be a voice sometimes and what the Bible calls it's an inward witness and you start getting this witness on the inside that uh, God wants you to be preaching you know and then when you're you're shy you're backwards or you're not backwards but you're a wallflower and uh, that can be kind of spooky when you don't want to get up in front of nobody and talk, whether it's two people or 2,000 people, it makes no difference. And then by nature, which uh, people that know me, you can, can testify to the fact of this, that I can speak better up here now behind a pulpit than I can one-on-one with somebody. I can communicate better uh, behind a pulpit than I can just one-on-one. I'm just wired different. You know, my daddy's the same way. My little nephew Kyle's the same way. All three of us were built just alike. You know, we don't talk much. But when people that knew me, they said, well, we know, we know God's hands on you to preach because you get behind the pulpit and just go forever. Because you see, then you, you understand uh, the anointing comes upon you. And it seems real easy. And folks said to me one time, you know, after mother went on to heaven, which we're still kind of mad at her for that right now, but I'm just kidding. 
Can't blame her. But uh, folks came and they said, my God, how in the world do you preach her funeral? And I said, I can, uh, there's only one way I could have done it. And you know, that was one of the easiest things in the world I ever did. But you know why it was so easy. You follow me now? Well, you start out that way. And see, I'm not educated. I mean, why well, I say educated. I have a high school education. I've graduated barely cum laude. <laughs> I think I just got a certificate of, of attendance. <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I don't know how to, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, can, I write notes down now. I do that. But you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't have the skill is on all that stuff. So I didn't have a choice. I remember the first time I preached, I was sick in my stomach for two weeks. Because I had about two weeks get, get to, to get ready, and I was just nauseated. And I'd drive down the road, and I, what I did is I tried to forget about it, meaning that day's not, you know, it's two weeks away, so I, I'm not even going to think about it. But I was nervous constantly. And so finally, I felt like the Lord kept saying to me, well, you just forget about it, and don't worry about it, and just trust me, and everything will be okay. So I didn't even, uh, be honest, I'm, when I say prepare, I'm talking about, I stayed in fellowship with God, and I, you know, stayed with the Word. But when, uh, every time that, that thought would come up, hey, you're preaching now in, in six days, I mean, I'd feel like I'd, I'd go throw up. Because standing up in front of people, I'd rather have been tarred and feathered than have to do that, you know. And anyway, that day came, and so I learned, well, you know what? Once you stand up there, and once you start out, I mean, the anointing comes, and it's, it's really, it's a piece of cake. I mean, it, it's a piece of cake when, that, when, when you know the Lord's there, and so he's there ready. He's going to come upon you, and he's going he's gonna to be there, just like, you know, just right down in here. I never felt as dry, and for lack of a better term, and dead as you can feel uh, about 20 minutes ago. You know what I'm talking about? Just... Sitting there wondering, what's fixing to happen? I mean, the thought crossed my mind, you know, like it crossed everybody's mind. What am I going to eat today after the service? Because I'm a human just like you are. And, you know, you're looking at the words, you're, you're mouthing the words a little bit. And then, but don't, don't misunderstand me. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I'm just showing you my humanity. Just like everybody in here was thinking the same thing. You know, half of you are going, I put something on the crock pot. You know. But then, because I've, uh, I've done it enough and I've experienced it enough, I know, the, I know the Spirit of God. See, I know when the anointing comes. And so then that anointing comes and it started to come on me. And this is what it feels like sometimes with me. It feels like you're so nervous, your heart's beating, my heart about to, I mean, if you put your hand on my, my chest or on my, you could feel the pulse just racing. My legs always, always when a certain anointing comes, they always get fumbly and weak. But I don't ever say nothing. I just put on a poker, poker face and just go on about my business, but I always get weak. See, right now they feel very funny. But I won't say anything to anybody because folks think that's mysticism. No, it's not. I don't even know. I, I've never been involved in any kind of mysticism or psychology in my life. But see, right now, I'm very fumbly. It's all, all the way up right now in my forearms. 
I can feel it. And so you get up there and you start out. And then going back where you've been preaching for so long. And then the Lord starts to deal with you with something else about ministry. And then he wants you to start yielding to that. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, I can't do that because I'll never forget the first time I ever spoke with tongues and interpreted in front of people. The first time that ever happened, I was up on the, on the pulpit, and, and yes, tongues and interpretation, really, not to offend nobody, there should be an abundance of tongues and interpretation inside of churches because that is distinctive right now in this last dispensation before Jesus returns. And there's a reason for it. What it is, basically, it's prophesying is what it is. And what it does is it brings hope. It does not bring condemnation. When a sidewalk prophet comes up to you and they, the prophet's ministry is very real today and they start telling you how sorry you are, how you're this, that, and the other, he ain't from God. I mean, it's that plain. He's just an idiot, you know, a deceived idiot, I guess, or wants to be somebody that he's not, but he's not. And I remember that first time when, uh, and it's a tongues interpretation is a manifestation of the Spirit is what it is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And boy, I was up here preaching. And see, I've come up, we come up to where this is the way a service should go. You sing a song. You take up the offering, you sing another song, if the Holy Ghost is going to do anything, he does it right here in this two and a half to three minutes, then you preach, then you go eat. That's exactly the way it was done for, for I, I can remember, and that's all I knew, that's all I thought it was supposed to happen. Because that's the way you're brought up, that's the way you do it. And, uh, you know, you're like, well, this is how it is. Okay, at, uh, at 11.02, if there is not a, a distinct move of the Spirit or a different move of God at 11.02, then that's it. It's over. Let's hit it. Go home. And when you have that mindset and you think that way, guess what? You'll have it. Well, I was, I was preaching and I remember just preaching, just minding my own business. And suddenly, I'm talking about like you snap your finger, right in the middle of preaching. I'm talking about down here, you know, because Jesus said, you know, the, the spirit of man, this is where your spirit is. This is where the Holy Spirit is. Suddenly, I'm talking about all of a sudden, something just leaped up inside of me. Never happened to me before. But I also had enough, enough humanity and enough theology in my mind that you know what I did? I went, no, you don't. <laughs> my God, not here. You, you know, I ain't about to do something like that. People think I'm crazy. And I suppressed it. I pushed it down. And I kept on preaching. And as I'm preaching, this is what's strange. Because you say, you know, I can't, you can't hardly walk gum. I mean, walk gum and chew at the same time. You can't hardly chew gum and walk at the same time. See, I told you how uneducated I am. But you get outside, you can't hardly naturally, you fumble around. Right here, see when the anointing's there, you can be thinking, listening to the Lord, hearing things, and speaking at the same time. 
That's what's amazing. And I was saying to him, all right now, as I'm preaching, I said, inside myself, if that was you, you let that anointing come back on me before the service is out, and I'll yield to you, and I'll do it. And so I started preaching, and then right there at the close, suddenly, here, here she comes. And so I went ahead and yielded. Spoke out in other tongues. Somebody said, did you know what to interpret? Never had a clue. Because you got to open your mouth. You, everything's done by faith. If you think that God's going to hand you a notebook and an outlined agenda about life, about a service, keep, keep thinking it. You know what Jesus says about that, don't he? He says, those that are ignorant, let them what? Remain ignorant still. It don't happen that way. Boy, I wished he did. It'd make things a lot easier. Now, since then, I have had several times where in the middle of the night or before I show up to church or when I'm out praying, I've seen a service before. Just and seen what people were wearing. And I saw what people were doing. And the Lord was just showing, getting ready. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. I've seen that. And I mean, thank God for it. Well, somebody said, what did you interpret that day? Well, I, I don't remember. It's, it's been so long ago. But I do remember that I just started out. You get about one or two words, maybe three or four. And then it just comes barreling out of you when it's really him. And then from that day since, that anointing would come on me and, and start to increase on me. Start to get heavier. Start to get heavier sometimes. And then you'd end up yielding to the Lord so long. And then after a while, he starts talking to you about something else. And then you said, my God, there is no way. You know. I said, there's, I, you'd be like, no, now this is plenty. There's, there's nothing else. You know, please, there's nothing else. This is plenty. Perfectly happy and content. Nothing else needs to be done. I ain't talking about a physical place now. I'm talking about another anointing is what I'm talking about. Because it's, it's the yoke's destroyed because of the anointing. It's not destroyed because of flesh. It's destroyed because of the anointing. So what kind of a yoke? Anything that's a yoke. Anything that's a yoke. One of the biggest yokes there is, is discouragement and disappointment. Heartbreak is a yoke. Everybody's been heartbroken. But not everybody remains heartbroken. But sometimes you get heartbroken and the devil gets uh, over on you a little bit more. You get away sometimes from help. And remember Paul said in Hebrews, in this last days, and we're definitely in the last days... Everybody under the sun, if you can't feel it in your bones, we're definitely in the very last days because there's so many signs that are going on. One of the signs is this. People don't care. They don't pay no attention. We don't need nothing like that. We're good. I've seen that happen now more than ever. People just, it ain't no big deal. Jesus said, Bubba, when you see these things happen, start looking upward. And Paul said, in these last days, he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together when you see that day approaching. Why? Because you, you need one another. 
There is no such thing as an island by yourself in being a successful, mature Christian. People need people. Yes, we need the Lord, but we need each other. Because Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, Know ye not, he said, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Amplified Bible says individually and also collectively as a church. Now, how that's possible, I don't know, but God says this, individually I dwell inside of you. My spirit, the Holy Spirit, dwells and lives on the inside of every single person. Every single person. And I tell, I'll, we tell Susanna, uh, every day I tell her when she's in her bed that Jesus lives in your heart. You know what she says back to me? Without anybody ever, I've never said anything to her about it. You know what she says back? Does my heart have a door? Jesus said, I stand there and I'm knocking. She heard that on her own. When Jesus said, why out of the mouths of what? Babes, sucklings. And what else did he say? Unless you come as a little child, what? You're not going to enter into my way of doing things. Because little children, they don't care what John Doe thinks about them. And here's something right here. And this is the truth. I'm speaking to myself. When you get a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and you push the radio on, you push music on, what happens? They start singing and dancing. And they don't give a rip about what you think. They don't care if they fall. They get right back up. Don't make no difference to them. Sometimes they'll act, you'll think they're acting like a fool. It makes no difference to them. But she said... The little girl, she said, does my heart have a, she said that to me several, more than once. Does my heart have a door? She's three. My heart has a door, daddy? Yes, your heart has a door. Because Jesus said so. He's talking about your spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of each believer. Secondly, Paul said this, and also collectively as a church. And when a church comes together, and uh, it's, it's different now, and it's difficult sometimes to do it, because if you're not taught, you don't know. But when a church comes together, according to God, that church forms one body. And then he indwells that whole body at the same time. Not only individually you bring the Lord to church with you, but when you come together, the entire church becomes one body and he indwells it that's why when you come to a service and, and people when we say are in agreement together and you ain't ever going to get a hundred percent it's in, it, it just don't happen when we say agreement i mean you're coming in like mind this half right here don't hate that half and bubba that happens all over the country don't think it doesn't I, I mean, I've got some friends and plenty of friends in ministry. If you think, well, my church is this, go talk to the next one. They're that. I'm going to leave over there and go over yonder. Well, when you get over yonder, that church is going to be ruined because guess what? You just walked through the door. Are you out there? Did you go home? You know why? What we all need to understand is this. We need to understand we're human. Now, I ain't talking about being vindictive and being devilish and being a con person. You know what I mean. I'm talking about we're human. You want to examine me, I can go ahead and tell you you're going to find 
a hundred thousand things wrong with me. You're going to end up, you're going to end up not liking me probably. Don't examine me. And I won't examine you. Y'all out? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Remember, Jesus said this. He said, listen, don't study your brother so much that you're getting inside to find a piece of sawdust in their eye. Because if you do that, you're the one with a plank in your own eye. And the Greek word for sawdust means a piece of fuzz that's got blown by the wind into somebody's eye. If I'm really looking for some fuzz in your eye, that means I'm spending my time thoroughly trying to find everything else about you that I can. Jesus said, don't do it. And it's going to make matters a lot easier. Who cares? You know what? You don't like my shirt? I don't care. I don't like yours. It's fine. I'm not interested in your shirt. You follow me, right? But when a church comes together, and it's one unit, it's one accord, and everybody is showing up for Jesus, when you realize I'm coming to church, and people say, well, you know, you know I don't really have a ministry. Yes, you do. More than you realize. Because we have here, we, we've got, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I can say this, I don't think they'll mind, which Miss Ellie, Mr. Dan, Miss, Miss Ann, Sandra and Larry, and my daddy, they've been here consistently for years. That is a testimony of faith. Staying here. Always there. You ever you ever known the friends? Uh, you ever known the friends that were real flamboyant? Man, I like them. They're so fun. After a year, you don't see them, and then two years later, they want to come back be your best buddy, and you're like, man, I like them. After six months, you don't see them for another two years. You know what I'm talking about? Well, there's something about sticking that speaks volumes. Because you want to know a characteristic of Jesus? I'll never leave. Now, I understand there's time people leave churches for reasons. I understand that, you know, when God leads you. But when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And when sometimes, you know, you go through things, I mean, and you stick and you stay, crowns in heaven are going to be covered in some jewels. There's, there's a real deal honor in things like that. That's a ministry that uh, they're like linemen on a football team. Only mama knows the boys that are on the line. Only mama holds the signs up that says, number 68's my son, you know, because everybody else sees number five, the quarterback, that's throwing the passes. But guess who honors the lineman? Jesus. And if it wasn't for linemen, there wouldn't be nothing else. Tua's a great quarterback. This coming up year, we're going to see how good Tua is because they say he's going to have some trouble. He ain't going to have the men on that front five that he did have last year. Natural things a lot of times are parallel to spiritual things. Well, when a group comes 
And you say, I don't have a ministry. And I've told folks in our Sunday school class, you know, a lot of times people show up to church. And, and I understand, they say, I want to come get fed. Well, I've made my mind up long. When I say made my mind up, I'm not coming to get fed. I'm bringing something with me. You see? Because the person next to me may be hurting. And you ain't got to go up and just, you know, lap up and everything like that. But if you spend time in God's Word, if you yield to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just going to honor you, I'm going to to honor you in the church, in the ministry, showing up for the people to be a friend, showing up like that is, is a ministry and it's a huge ministry. Jesus didn't say, you know what? If you go start 50 churches, pay them all off debt free in my name, you're going to have honor in heaven. Jesus said, if you will give someone a cup of cold water because I said so. Now, building the churches is all fine and great. But Jesus, he's talking about, now listen, it's these little things. And I do. I, like there are elders. They've been here for years. They, all, all of them that I just mentioned, they, they watched me and, and Mama Dorothy from the time I started, you know, up until where I'm at. They seen me mess up, foul up. But you know what? They ain't ever said nothing against me or slapped me around and said, you stupid idiot. You really messed up this time. They've never said anything like that. Did you know that? They ain't ever said anything like that. They've always been there. Always. Well, it it takes being rooted in the Word. It takes knowing the Spirit of God. And you also know within yourself there's something greater than what I personally want. There's something greater than what I personally need. I show up for people. It, the church, and I've told folks this too, the church is not about one man. It's not. It's about a group of people. You know, it's not trying to be great. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be great. I don't know, I mean, maybe very serious. I like being just plain Jane. So anyway, I'm fixing to have to hurry up here, back to where I was talking about. Well, I said this the other night. Well, actually, I, um, I only told one person this. But uh, like I said, don't, we're not digressing. We're talking about there's this one unit here, one group of people. And talking about anointings and trying to condense this as best as I can. And the Bible is real clear and real plain. And it, it does. One thing that does bother me is that people get so caught up in the, the, the theology and homolytical, theological, philosophical things. And I understand, you know, there's times for stuff like that. I mean, I study Greek and Hebrew sometimes and read it. But there are some folks, they are so concerned with the theology. Well, the theology, and I don't even know the words of it, you know, of Jesus leaving the cross and going into here and being raised from the dead, the, the theoretical blah, 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 blah. I don't care. And my own personal opinion i don't think jesus cares either i think he's just saying listen to me i'm real believe in me and seek me let's forget about all the you know crossing the 
the T's dotting the I's and the commas. And sometimes, you know, you can get in those areas and be caught up and miss the real genuine move of God. The real move of God, you can miss it. And then right on the other hand, people get so caught up in the supernatural, to the spe- they want the spectacular supernatural. They want spectacular things. They want to see the handwriting in the sky. And when they're looking for that, they're missing the supernatural. You know, just like, like my little girl saying, Daddy, does my heart have a door? You don't think that's God? Because she didn't levitate off the bed. Light didn't shine. I didn't hear angels singing. She said, my heart has a door. You know, people want spectacular and they miss the supernatural. They miss it. And you don't even... God speaks in so many different ways and he wants us to believe. Is what he wants. And the highest form... Sometimes people be like, I don't like this part. But... The highest level of faith, I said the highest level, is just taking him at his word and believing it. And you don't need a vision. You don't need certain dreams. God does visions. He does dreams. Amen. But you don't need them. You say, Lord, I believe this. Regardless, I believe it, regardless of what I see. I don't need spectacular moves, but God does do spectacular moves. And in this day, and Lord, I wish we had time, but we don't. We're going to have to close up. In this last one now, there's going to be some good things go on. Because this is the last hoorah. This is the last call. You know, even Brother Perry Stone said he got his family together and he said this is the last call. He believes with all his heart. There ain't another call after this. The next call is going to be the call you don't want to be a part of. The last hoorah for people before Jesus comes again. And there are definitely going to be things that's going to take place. And the other night, which I talked about last night, you know, I'm dreaming talking about hope in my dream and when I woke up woke up my eyes flew open and and right out of my mouth I'm I'm talking about hope that's happened more than once where my when I wake up and I'm still I'm talking in my sleep kind of coming out of me talking about hope because yeah people people lose hope but Jesus is in the hope building business and you want the Greek word, the, the Greek and the Hebrew word for hope, Bible hope, it's not wishing upon a star. It means a white hot expectation of good from him. And that also, a person that does, is rooted in faith. Just because you're in faith and just because you believe God doesn't mean you're not going to have heartache. Because Jesus said it's going to come. But after heartache does come, The difference between the believer in the word and then the unbeliever is the unbeliever doesn't have hope anymore for anything. The believer says, well, I still have hope. You see, I still have it. So a few, a couple of weeks ago, and I know this was the Lord uh, getting something over. 
And I feel like what he was saying is there's, there's things like this going to be taking place. People need to be aware. But it's been a handful of times. My eyes fly open in the middle of the night and it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And if you, if you studied the Bible and, and listened to Jewish folks, they'll tell you that God speaks more at 3 o'clock in the morning than, than any other time. Uh, I mean, that's just the truth. If you go back and study several times, I, my mother used to say, I woke up and at three o'clock in the morning. And I'll tell one thing that, that she said before she, before she left, it was about a year or two years before she left. And you can have a right experience and put the wrong interpretation on the right thing. That happens all the time to all of us. All the time. But that still doesn't mean it wasn't a bona fide experience. And that still doesn't mean it wasn't from God. And to folks that knew my mother, know, I say knew, know my mother, because I don't ever speak of past tense. She's alive and well. Uh, folks that know my mother know that she wouldn't, she wouldn't lie or fudge when it comes to things. She wouldn't lie or fudge anything about anything. But concerning the things of God, she wouldn't dare twist anything or lie about anything like that well she called she said well she said I was sound asleep and my eyes flew wide open and when my eyes flew wide open she said I mean just as plain as day just as loud as 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 somebody is standing next to me she said I could hear a horse uh whinnying you know how they how they do I'm not going to do it because it'd be sound silly but you know how a horse a battle horse cries out just as plain as day I can hear it so she assumed, and like I said, you can put your own interpretation on a right thing. And she could hear the horse like it's coming. So she assumed, because we have horses and my wife's a barrel racer, she assumed something's happened to Kelly. So she, she gets up, she starts praying. Well, the next day I, t- I say, she says, Kelly, yeah, she's fine. There's nothing wrong. I said, no, she's all right. There ain't nothing happened. So she said, well, I mean, it was just as plain as day. So she started asking the Lord, what in the world's going on here? What is this? I know now. I believe I'm satisfied in my heart now. I know what it is. I believe with all my heart. It, that right there was the Lord saying, I'm coming. See, we thought it was for something different. She thought it was for something different. He was letting her know, I'm coming. And why would she call me? You know, and tell me, or she told other people too, but I mean, to pass that down, because it's only been a few years ago, but still, the nevertheless, it's the Lord saying, I'm coming. I'm coming. He's, he's going to be here soon. So, several times I've woken up, three o'clock, and I'd stay awake and I'd start praying, and I'd be wondering to myself, and asking, you know, what's going on? You know, what is it? I'm, I'm just sitting here wide awake, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, I drift off back to sleep. And then a few days ago, just as plain as day, I hear footsteps coming down the hallway. Flump, 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 flump. My eyes immediately are wide open. And I can hear flump, 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 you know, flump footsteps in my house and it's three o'clock in the morning well I raised up because usually when I hear that this is what I hear 
Somebody getting out of the bed, jumping off the top ropes. Daddy, you awake? Well, we know we are now, you know. Or come running. Think about it, though. She's sound asleep. She didn't get out of the bed. Well, I'm laying there. I knew just like I knew my name. All right. I'm wide awake now. And I, so I start. I'm, I'm like, Lord, all right now. This is like several times, but this time I can hear. I hear somebody walking. And people say, well, you were dreaming. Well, the next day. I said, last night, I heard, she said, I heard somebody walking through our house. I said, yeah, I did too. It's three o'clock in the morning. She goes, yes. She said, I, I was wide awake and I could hear footsteps, you know, walking through the house. Well, what I'm getting at is this. And so I don't know all the, the part of it, but what I'm saying, I never saw anybody and he didn't ever really speak anything. He bore witness. There's a witness on the inside of me of what these things are leading up to. Number one, this is the last show. Please, everybody listen. This is the last show. Number two, Jesus is very real. Y'all out there, he is very real. I could give testimonies of people telling me. I mean, from the time I, I started preaching until we left, where folks have told me, man, we, I saw an angel up there with you, walking, following you around. I've heard of other folks where they stand behind Todd, stand behind JJ, where f- people would be walking, and they would plain today say, I mean, I could see him, just like I'm looking at you. Watch him. Well, they're here now. They're in my house, but they're in your house. Number three, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together during these last hours. I say last days, but we're talking about these last hours because it's a sad truth. And Jesus said, there's going to be many that's going to be swept away. And I'm sorry to say it. I'm I'm shocked to see it, to watch it. And I've never been one to call out certain ministries, but I see certain ministries when I say going down the tubes, I'm talking about going down the tubes on the, in a bad direction because they have given themselves over to the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, instead of the true things of Jesus and afraid to tell people, Jesus Christ bore your sin and he's alive and well. Instead of saying, well, now listen, if you, if you consider God this, then that's, between you and God. It's okay, God. There's many different paths to heaven. There's not any paths to heaven but one. And it's not wide. Jesus said it's not wide. Jesus said it's narrow. It's one way. It is one way, one way only. That's not a condemning message. That is a rescuing message. And when you coach people and lock arms and you tell people it's okay what you believe, even if you don't believe it, it's fine. God will forgive you. God forgave you 2,000 years ago. But if you don't accept him, you will go to hell. There is no uh, gray area in this area. There is only one person whereby a man or woman can be saved. Jesus Christ. That's it and that's all. Get yourself settled in him. We could keep going. And if you want to play, and uh, 
or the rest of you want to, you can. You might as well, because we'll, we'll uh, shut her down after this. I'll pass the baton over. I can get started, but I'm not good at closing. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 